we've been talking about kingdom culture, and this will be the last one of this kind of eight-week series that we've been on, talking about what it means like to be a Christian. Because there is a culture that is uh, set in place by the kingdom of God, because the kingdom of God is not a religion, nor is a faith system. The kingdom of God is a government, and a government usually is put in place over a particular area, right? Uh, there is an area, and that government takes responsibility for that area, like the U.S. government takes responsibility for territory of the United States and its affiliates. Same with other nations. They have governments in place that takes responsibility over their areas, and their governments aren't responsible for our area, and vice versa. And so the kingdom of God, therefore, has to have an area. Because if there is a government, a kingdom in place, it has taken responsibility of something. Now, we know that the Bible says that the kingdom of God is not, over a, it's not a physical government. It is a spiritual government. And its main um, representatives on earth is the church, the capital C church. We are all a part of the ambassadorship of this government, this home nation, and the outpost we have here on earth. And we're to, we're to uh, promote and advance the values, the perspectives, and the agenda of our home nation here on earth. We don't, an ambassador doesn't get to set his own agenda for the nation that hosts him. His full agenda, whether that's his personal opinion or not, is by the government that sent him there. That's why it's called a mission of the X, Y, and Z country. So when we're on a mission here on earth, the kingdom of God, it means that we have an agenda that has been set on our behalf by our home country, which is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And our job is to advance that agenda here on earth through our faith activities and through our physical activities as well. So last time we talked about, um, I was here, I talked about being a son in a house. And we, we talked about the difference of being an immature child versus growing to be a son, a son that, a, ooh, this thing is breaking up on me. I can hear it. I'm going to put it in front here and see if it works better. But Gabe, just get that handout ready for us in case um, I need to switch. <clears throat> we talked about the difference between an immature child versus a mature son that is able to take the name of the family or the business side of the family, take responsibility for it and build it and build it out and advance it. And in the kingdom of God, we see, um, like what, we, what Ryan spoke about last week, the need for us to grow mature in our own relationships with God so that we are able to carry weight. We are able to carry weight. And um, it's, it's an internal expansion of growth that needs to happen. And as individuals internally grow in their own faith, external expansion automatically starts happening. But the kingdom of God, the Bible says, is within it all happens inside out. You cannot fix anything from focusing on external things. You have to fix things by going for the heart. Once the heart changed, 
The rest is history. It happens automatically. Maybe it takes a little while. Maybe there are some obstacles that need to be overcome. But the, but the course is set. Change is going to happen, even though it happens faster for some and slower for others. The, the, the point is the course has been set. Growth has been initiated. And it will advance. It will continue because the inside has been corrected. And we talk about being born again, right? We talk about stepping into faith and, uh, and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for our salvation so that we become children of God. That sets in course that growth journey of us becoming sons that are able to carry weight. I want to talk today about what it means to, to walk in our assignment, to being willing to suffer, and to look forward to our reward. The growth path of every biblical church should lead the individuals of that church along a progressive journey of knowing their, each person knowing their assignment, passionately pursuing that assignment, and rejoicing in the reward that is connected to that assignment. This is why this series has been so, so important. Because we've kind of been lulled into this mindset that Christianity is um, just about faith. It's just about heaven. We've been lulled into this mindset that once I know that I'm going to heaven, that's it. That's all that needs to happen. And now I'm just, you know, culturally taking part in uh, something that is not progressive or something that is not purposeful. I'm just surviving and I'm just kind of participating and continuing in, you know, the new position that I find myself in Christ. We've been lulled into this perspective that Christianity only happens inside the walls of the church or inside activities that has been organized by the church. For instance, when we go and do outreach, right? We go and we help people that are in trouble or we go and help people that are in need or even Christian activities like life groups. We've been lulled into the perspective that if we participate in all the activities that is set on by our church, and even some that might just be set on by other faith organizations, that we are doing everything that we have been purposed to do. But what we learned in this series was that the kingdom of God is not just about heaven, neither is the kingdom of God just about church. The kingdom of God is about his governance, his agenda filtering to every part of life. And you're in my responsibility within that. The kingdom of God was always meant to move outside of our hearts into our practice in every single aspect of our lives. So why do we get people to be involved in church? Well, I believe part of that is to grow and become fit. It's to train. This is training ground. This is not the actual mission. Although this is very well the gym. This is the workout place. This is where we lift to grow muscles. This is where we become fit. But the race or the competition that we're to participate in is really out there. Even our activities that we put on as the church isn't fully the race. They start participating in the race, but the race really is when you and I, of our own volition, starts living out our Christian faith in our everyday life, in our everyday activities. 
And we start living from that identity, being an, a completely integrous. That means that I am the same person no matter where I go. When I clock in for work, I am the same person there than when I step through these doors. That's what it means to have integrity. It means to be one. I don't have multiple personalities. At work, I'm this person. At life group, I'm that person. When I'm out socialing, I'm another person. No, I have integrity, which means I'm the same one individual with the same identity. And hopefully by now we've established the fact that that identity should be that of son. And for those of you who are here for the first time, that does not refer to a gender. It refers to a state of maturity. Sonship refers to a state of maturity where I am able to carry on the family's name. And so <clears throat> over here we lift, serving one another, loving on one another, um, doing our activities out there uh, beyond just Sunday service. It's all part of us lifting. But God's purpose for us is not to lift weight. Like Ryan said, it's to carry weight. And so it starts with you and I being able to disciple other Christians, younger brothers and sisters, and take the responsibility of helping them grow along a path of spiritual maturity. And that goes outside to us being able to lead through our assignment by influencing our world out there. That's why we've been saying Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with radical purpose. It cannot just be a relationship of equals. No, there is an order. I am the son and my father is the head of the house. And it's as I am living to be about my father's business that I keep growing and I become mature in his kingdom. Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with a radical purpose. And this purpose, this assignment that we got, each of us got, is to lead us beyond the area of Christianity, is to lead us beyond kind of the camp where we're safe and put us out into the wilderness, quote-unquote, where we can start deforesting, where we can start claiming land so that we can start developing the kingdom that we have here out there into the world, out there into our area of responsibility. I'm reminded of the whole story of Nehemiah. He is a, 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 was a Jew um, who during the time when the Jews were taken, out of capti taken into captivity um, felt the urge to appeal to the king that he was serving in a different land to allow him to go and restore the city's walls of his home nation, Jerusalem. The home city that he came from. And he got favor with the king and the king allowed him to go. And he had to face all sorts of obstacles. But in one of the verses, it states how he told every person, every family that came out to build, said to them, you take the area in front of your home and you build that wall. And you link with the person who's building the wall next to you. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about how we link with the rest of the body of Christ. We are not in competition with the body of Christ. We complete one another. But y'all, we have a wall to build. A section of the wall to build. 
And we have influence next to us that we are to exert on those around us to help aid in the development of this wall, this proverbial wall. You see, if we understand the kingdom of God, we understand that we're, we're very responsible for earth. The first thing God gave humanity was a kingdom. That was the very first thing he gave us. In Genesis 1.26, God says this, Let us make man in our image, and let, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds, the cattle, over everything that creeps on the earth. What he's talking about there, let them have dominion. The word dominion there is translated as kingdom or rulership. Reign, let them have reign over this earth that we had just created. Jesus, God doesn't say they let us have dominion. No, he says, let us make man and then let them have dominion. Let them take rulership of earth. Let them have responsibility of earth. God gave us a kingdom. He gave us the right, the authority to act on his behalf. It's like he gave us power of attorney to act on his behalf here on earth. So as the church, after the fall, the second Adam came to restore what the first Adam lost. What did he lose? He lost that kingdom. He lost that authority to act on God's behalf. Jesus came and he said this, I'm about my father's business. He restored that authority and now in Christ, you and I are restoring the same authority and have been given the same kingdom authority back to enact God's will on earth. The same authority. But it is now therefore also our responsibility. And if we're just happy-go-lucky serving Jesus until one day we die and go to heaven, that's great. But not much of the kingdom's agenda is achieved through that. One part is you. And that's a very important part. And God says in his word that he rejoices over you who have been included. But he also has such a big heart for the rest of us, for the rest of people that have not been included yet. And his heart yearns for them. And the journey of becoming a son in the kingdom of God is, is starting to, to understand these nuances of Christianity. It's understand that it's not just about me. How many of you had a good relationship with your dad? For those of you who had a real good relationship with your dad, when your dad was down in the dumps, could you see it? <laughs> Joey goes. <laughs> Here's the next question. Do you remember a time when that started mattering to you? Like my, my little boy, right? <laughs> when I feel down in the dumps he doesn't even see it right he'll just come and jump on me and and play with me and like you know act as if nothing's wrong with the world and and I must just respond right uh, he has absolutely no regard whether I am down or whether I'm not feeling well but some of my older kids are starting to realize when I'm down and 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 I know that they're starting to grow and develop because why because they start saying what's wrong daddy What's wrong? That's one part of the growth. You know what happens as they grow older and older? They start saying, can I do something for you, Daddy? 
Can I help you with something? Can I take something off your plate? Can you all hear what the Spirit is saying to us? God is a father. And he wants us to start seeing the things that he yearns about, that he aches about. There is a world that is lost, that yearns and aches. God aches for them. You know what the Bible says about the world? The world is waiting in agonizing expectation for what? For the sons of God to be revealed. For sons of God to recognize the hurt and say, are you okay? Can I do something for you? That hears the Spirit cry out, Lord, are you okay? I feel your heart burning over this issue. Can I do something for you about this? The Spirit is moving in this place, y'all, and He wants us to recognize as sons that there are things that need to be done. And it's our responsibility. God is waiting to hand out assignments, but He can't hand out an assignment to a child. Children's assignments are for personal development. Son's assignments are for kingdom expansion. And there's no condemnation. Like, I don't condemn my son for where he's at. I laugh about it and I enjoy it, right? But when my son is 20 and he's still, and he's still there, that's when I'm going to have a concern. Because, because he didn't grow. Now, hopefully he wouldn't be there, and we're doing our best to develop them in such a way that they would snap into it at some point. But that's, the, that's the, that the, the point here is that each of us has an assignment, and God is just waiting for you to say, Lord, I can see that you're unhappy about this area, this place. This, sometimes it's an injustice in society. Sometimes it's something that's just not right. Lord, do you want me to do something about that? Are you saying this is my assignment? Lord, can I, can I respond to this for you? It's when we start looking beyond ourselves and we start seeing how society needs him that all of a sudden we start realizing, oh, wait a minute. There's something in this for me. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says this, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. That's two concepts in one statement. A royal priesthood talks about family, royal family ties. You are part of the royal family. You are prince and princesses, but sons and daughters of the king, to stay more biblical. You are royal. You are part of the family. That's your identity. But you know what? <laughs> we have an excellent example of this. Um, in, our current, in, 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 in the UK's uh, royal family, one of the royal families are, are, that are still kind of like uh, active on earth. <clears throat> you see these two boys that grew up. And uh, um, they were part of the ceremonies and everything, but they never had any responsibility. They were allowed to study. They were allowed to train up and grow. And then at some point in time, they started to be given responsibility. They got um, their, they had titles, but they never had any work given to them. And at some point, they started functioning in their royal um, positions. 
they became sons. But you saw one son that really grew, and you saw the other son that never really grew up. And he's in a world of trouble right now, trying to navigate how to get through that, where the other son is, with his mistakes and, and, and things that he might be doing wrong, he stepped up. He took the weight, and he's standing in it at least. The other one completely flunked out, and now he's been fired, I, I think. If he's been reinstated, I don't know. But the bottom line is, if you, if you know his history, and you see his, his practices, you see that he was just this party animal that just never grew up. And when he had to start carrying responsibility, the weight was too much for him. And it crushed him because he wasn't lifting. And when they expected of him to start carry, it crushed him. We are a royal priesthood. Not only are we kings, sons of the king that are called to growth, we are also priests. Meant to minister to God. Bring sacrifices to God. Y'all, I am not y'all priest. You are your own priest before the Lord. You are to bring your own sacrifices of worship to the Lord. You do not worship vicariously through the team up here. You worship yourself or you don't. We are all priests before the Lord. We're a holy nation, God's very own possession. It was never God's plan to establish a religion to rule mankind. It was always God's intention to put a royal family in place to rule with. God wants to rule through us on earth. Now, when we talk about rulership and dominion and the kingdom, we need to remember this is a spiritual kingdom and spiritual rulership. It is not with force and physical flesh. It is through faith and through love and through influence that we rule with Christ, with God in Christ. And so... The first point I want to leave with you today is that every one of us has been given what the Bible calls a metron. Okay? You've been given a metron. What is a metron? The definition of a metron is that it's a measure of responsibility delegated by God to you in the midst of creation, in the midst of culture, and in the midst of spiritual history. Each and every one of us has been given a metron. Where do I find this? Ephesians 4.16 explains it like this. He talks about how we're to grow as the body, coming together with the pastors, apostles, teachers, evangelists, and prophets that train the body, helps us lift, so that we can go and perform our ministry, which is our carrying of weight. And then it says this, that from Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. That share talks about your metron. Every one of us has been given a share or a measure is another uh, translated word that they sometimes use. 
or a part. Each of us have been given a metron that is my responsibility to bring the kingdom of God to. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 13 says, Paul is talking about how he, he's, he's advocating for his influence in this group of people that have kind of like been in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a strange relationship with him. He led them to the Lord, but then other people came and, and, they, and they mixed up the messages and, and, and they became kind of like confused about what the essence of the gospel is. And Paul is writing to them to bring correction, but he's trying to do it in love. And it's this back and forth thing where he wrote them a couple of letters and he says this to them, we will not boast, talking about him and his leadership team, we will not boast beyond limits. We will boast only with regard to the area of influence. We will boast only in regard to our metron that God assigned to us. But then he says, that allowed us to even reach you. Everybody that God allowed Paul to reach told Paul how far his metron was expanding, how far his area of influence was expanding. Every one of us have been given a metron. But sometimes we see people that try to be bigger than their metron. And, and, and that's not right. Paul refused to try and bring correction or try to challenge or try to lead even in areas where he did not bring the gospel to first. He said in another place, I don't want to build on another man's foundation. Paul was okay with the limits that God placed on him. But he knew that every time that he reached somebody, and through their influence they would reach further, that that would also expand his metron, his area of influence. But you got to start where you are, your business, your employment, place of employment, your children, your family, your friendship group, your community service area. These are all your metron. It's places that God has entrusted to you where you are to bring the governance of heaven to so that what is in heaven might start be reflecting. The, the agenda of heaven might be promoted in those areas. Each of us have been given a metron. This is our assignment, bringing heaven's government to earth, governance to earth in our metron. And we do it through changing hearts and minds through the gospel and discipleship. We take it to every place where heaven is not being represented to the ends of the earth. The second point, this is our assignment. Every one of us has an assignment. But God will wait with your assignment. And he will show it to you progressively, little by little. And as you start engaging your assignment and stepping by faith into one area of it, you're going to see how it kind of like opens up a new realm of influence where your leadership and your integrity gives you credibility that gives you influence that gives you leadership that creates people that follow you the second thing i want to leave with us today is that every one of us are encouraged to suffer well it's kind of inevitable when you pick up your assignment 
no matter how polite you are, no matter how non-offensive your approach of a person is, or if you stick to your values and the truth, and if you represent the kingdom's agenda, which is naturally in conflict with this world's agenda, it just, it's just the truth that sometimes it will result in a bit of a fight. And, and that's okay, because it happened to Jesus, it happens to his disciples through the ages, it has happened to countless Christians who have advocated for biblical standards to become our physical reality. Now listen to me, if you're a child in the Lord, you might not have experienced this this much yet. But as we grow into maturity, this is a part of sonship. In the words of William Wallace of Scotland, we're going to pick a fight. <laughs> the only difference is it's not because we wanted it. It's because there is a conflict in this world between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of darkness. And when we just simply, respectfully, humbly stand for what is true, it will unfortunately sometimes lead to suffering. This is not suffering that comes from God. This is suffering that comes because of our following God. The problem we often find ourselves is, is, that, is that we're trying to suffer alone. And we think that we can, we can kind of do it. Sometimes we think we can do it on our own. Sometimes we think nobody will understand, so we have to do it on our own. God never meant for us to fight alone. That's why he gave us spiritual family. Edmund Burke said the following. He said, when bad men combine, the good must associate, else they will fall, one by one, an unpitied sacrifice in a contemptible struggle. Right now, the body of Christ is a little scattered. You have a lot of people that are fighting one by one, trying to get something. You know what the world, they despise. It's contemptible, the struggle of Christianity currently. We need to associate. That's why I said last time, we're not here to diss anybody in the body of Christ. Honor their revelation. Honor your revelation. And serve everybody through your revelation of God. And it's so important that we realize that God is meant for us to draw together when it becomes tough. Because sometimes it will become tough. Sometimes the problem is in our own house because we have so many that believe in a gospel that's purely for self-advancement, comfort, and luxury. And, and I believe that we need to heed the call. You know, even a son that grows up in a prosperous home at some point needs to step up and take responsibility and start working to earn his own keep. We understand these things instinctively when it comes to our natural lives, but somehow we discard it when it becomes a spiritual thing. No, in, in fact, the natural world really parallels the spiritual, not the other way around. There is, a, there is an expectation that sons will develop that is able to take on responsibility. Radical purpose. Sometimes the... The resistance is not from the enemy, it's from our own ranks. Why? Because we're naturally self-focused as people. And we don't want this to mean that I have to do something. <laughs> we like the idea that I can just, you know, be forgiven of my sin and go to heaven one day and, and the, you know, that's all that's necessary. 
if going to heaven was the objective, yes. But that is not the final objective of Christianity. Christianity's objective is to raise up sons. Is to restore us to the image of God through his son, becoming like Christ. That is the objective. Remember that, that movie, The Passion of the Christ? You realize that the real word that they use to describe the, pa- the word passion, the actual Greek meaning of that word literally means the suffering of the Christ? Isn't something that you're passionate something that you're also willing to suffer for? Like I see people pour out their passion into sport. And man, are they willing to suffer (laughs) for that game. My goodness. (laughs) Right? People are passionate about an area of study. And man, are they willing to suffer. Let me tell you, if you've got a PhD in anything, you're passionate about whatever you study because that's some suffering right there. I went halfway and I, I, I was suffering already for me. So, but whatever you are passionate about, you're willing to suffer for. You're willing to sacrifice for. Jesus was willing to suffer for you and I. That's how passionate he was. That's how willing he was to passionately suffer by sacrificing even himself because he knew the only way that he could get us back was to pay the price on our behalf. He was passionate about you and I. But listen to what Jesus said to his disciples shortly before his departure. He said, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before you. If you were of the world, The world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. Y'all, we're just on a collision path with the values of this world. It doesn't mean that we're going to be jerks. It doesn't mean that we're going to be offensive. But if we're going to be politely, humbly, firm in our stance, all of that, in any ways, is still going to lead to confrontation. Because the worldly values are just in contradiction. But we are called to stand in our metron and to stand for the truth. Paul, following God's assignment on his life, walked into many, many sufferings. Listen to this. But you always um, uh, listen to this. In the context, also remember that Paul always had this band of brothers around him, right? He would always speak about Timothy and Epaphras and, you know, Aquila and Priscilla, uh, some of the ladies and men that was, was leaders around him. He always surrounded him with a leadership team of people. But listen to what he says. He says in 2 Corinthians 11, 24, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. I was stoned once. Three times shipwrecked. And night and day I was adrift at sea. How many of us would think we're walking in God's plan after experiencing that? Yet this is Paul we're talking about. The writer of our scripture. Following the call that God put on his life to reach the Gentile nations. It led to 
many discomforts, many sufferings. Was it God's will that he would suffer? No. But was it God's will that the gospel would go to the Gentiles? Yes. Would a child sign up for this? No. But would a son say, whatever it takes, Lord, here I am. Send me. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. (laughs) It's a lot of danger going on there. In the call of God. But Jesus said, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. It was a metaphor, but it wasn't. just symbolic he was actual he did send them out among wolves and all the original disciples were actually martyred for their faith but we are called to suffer well he kept going in toil and hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst how many of us would miss a meal and go lord where the heck are you Miss a meal and go, oh, you're not really real. God, this, the, God must not be good. Can we read all of scripture? Often without food in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure of, on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Not only was it like because of resistance, but y'all. You realize that the responsibility God can place on your life could lead to actual stress? How is that even possible? Well, Paul had such a concern for all these churches that he had started. And when he would hear that they are falling away from the church, it would perplex him. He would be in fasting and prayer over these places that they would stay true to the gospel. That they would not be defiled by other voices that come and say, no, you have to add some abiding the law in order to be saved. He was wrestling in the spirit to, to keep these places from falling away from grace. Our assignments on earth is weighty, but it's okay. Because there is a glory awaiting each of us. 2 Corinthians 11, 29 says, Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to fall and I am not indignant? We spoke about the value. People are our passion. That's a value of the kingdom of God. People matter. When somebody falls away from our congregation for whatever reason, it matters. It hurts. We try to pursue that person. No, 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 don't go. Can we figure it out? Let's sort it out. Everything can be sorted out with grace and love. No matter how big the offense was, humility, repentance, asking of forgiveness fixes all those things with a commitment to reconcile and restore. Jesus gave us everything we need to stay together, to work together, to associate, to stand tall, and to walk with his purpose and his assignments. He gave us everything we need to be able to do it. 
But if we go alone, oof. It's not true that following God always leads to comfort and luxury. Sometimes it leads to challenges. And sometimes the pure weight of it is just hard. But we are called to suffer well. And if your passion remains in place, it's easy. It's easy to keep on giving. It's easy to keep on walking with the people, to forgive again. Suffer well. Matthew 5.10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when you others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. <laughs> How many of you have been falsely accused of something or like, you know, for his sake, like you, I've been plenty of times called a false prophet, called like a, you know, um, many things. Uh, and um, I also had many of those same people come back and ask for forgiveness after a while. But what would have happened if I just went like, oh, this isn't worth it? All this isn't worth it. I'm just, I'm checking out, man. I, you know, I, I don't need none of this. <laughs> well, then probably I would have been, I quit. And if I didn't continue, I doubt whether my name would have been vindicated. Sons of God understand this. They don't have a fairy tale outlook on life. Our faith is real, y'all. It's not a fairy tale, but it's an overcoming kingdom. It's a faith that declares we win in the end. It's a faith that declares that we've been given all things that pertain unto life and godliness. It's a faith that encourages us when we suffer to suffer well with the expectation that God is going to come through. And that no matter what is happening right now, God's going to turn it around for, his good, for our good and for his glory. It's a faith that is grounded. It's a faith that understands that we're serving, a, we're serving in a real world where there are, where there are conflicting kingdoms. And we've picked a side. I hope y'all have picked a side. Therefore, Ephesians 6.11, put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the evil schemes of the devil. So it's not just a good suggestion, y'all. This is survival this is life and death your faith is at stake here we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers against authorities what are they that's kingdom talk jargon verbiage authorities against cosmic powers over this present darkness Against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's another spiritual kingdom. That's where our wrestle is against. But y'all, we've been given authority over this. To resist the devil and he will flee from us. The problem is sometimes we think that it's going to happen through one moment. I don't know about y'all, but war sometimes lasts a minute. And if you stop resisting, you're overwhelmed. But if you stand, like Hebrews 10 said, we are not of those who back down and are destroyed. No, we're of those who are of the faith, who stand and are saved. 
you have to stand in your stance. If you suffer, you have to suffer well. You have to stand in your metron and claim that space. This is the, for what the God of heaven has instructed me to stand in. And by God, I will stand here until I die or succeed. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand evil, the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand firm then. The last thought is every one of us are encouraged to focus on our reward. Our first reward is God himself. The fact that we get to walk in his presence. The fact that we be, get to be his sons. To live in his house. Psalm 73 says this. My flesh and my heart may fail. But God is the strength of my heart. And my portion forever. If I get nothing else. I am satisfied. I am enough. Because I have gained God. This really is all reward we need. Right? It's being in a relationship with God, having him next to us, having Emmanuel stand with us, being our friend, being our companion, being in that close father-son, father-daughter relationship with him. That is the biggest privilege that we can ever imagine this side of the grave. It makes me stay in a place where no matter what happens, no matter if I lose everything, he's still worthy to be praised. See, we've been lulled into this Christianity that, that says to us, look, you know, it's okay to be offended with God when things don't go your way. Right click, delete, trash, right click, purge. There's no such Christianity in the Bible. Habakkuk said, even if the fig tree don't have any figs. Even if there are no cattle, there are no harvest on the fields, yet I will praise Him. He is enough, y'all. Psalm 16, is that one up there? I forget to put it in here. Do we have a, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. You alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. But God, in his incredible generosity, lets us experience even greater reward. Spiritual sons and daughters are an incredible reward. Um, John says the following, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Paul would write to the Thessalonians in Thessalonica, we thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you, believers. For what is our hope, our joy, and our crowns, keeping a couple of verses, going to 19, or our boasting before the, our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Is it not you you are our joy and our glory everybody who is who has ventured out in faith and tried to help other people grow in Christ and start seeing the fruit of, of their effort resulting in either somebody being born again or, or taking steps of growth to come free of things that hold them. There is such a joy in that that it just, it's in faith. It's, 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 what do you call the thing you have? Uh, addictive. It's addictive. You want to see more and more of that. 
And if you're not at that place yet, don't feel condemned today. But hear the upward call of Christ, of God in Christ Jesus. Hear it and say, yes, Lord, I'm going to grow to that. What do you need to do right now to step into growth? What do you need to do to step into health? Then do that so that you can walk and work your way to becoming a son that is able to carry weight of discipling other people unto Christ and receiving that incredible reward of seeing more people join the faith because of your testimony and because of your serving and loving them. Jesus said it, Paul said it, John said it, everyone who's made a disciple said it. Disciples are a great reward from the Lord. But y'all, in his incredible extravagance, he gives us eternal life. And I'm not even talking about all the incredible provision that he gives out of his love, not out of a reward, but out of the fact that we're family. That's why I didn't list that as a reward because I believe that is because of family. He's care for us. He's providing for us. That is something He gives because you are His child. I don't make my kids wash the dishes before I feed them. I make them wash it after. (laughs) But He gives us eternal life as a reward. Paul writes in 2 Titus 4, Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, not only to me, but also to all who have loved His appearing. Your perspective is a game changer. He said, in this world you may have trouble, but fear not. I have overcome this world. I've overcome this world. Y'all, he's overcome this world. Let us as sons, let us grow to sonship and let us as sons of his, of his family, sons of his house, let us be willing to say, Lord, give me my metron. Show me my assignment. Let me loose. Let me go and work for you. Let me go and represent you. I'm ready. Here I am, send me. You know the amazing thing about God is that He wants you to be a part of His purpose here on earth. He wants you to form a part of His His workforce. He He has a place for you, purpose for you. Let us say, here I am, Lord, send me. And let each of us take our step of growth if you need to link up with somebody who is discipling people right now like a mentor of sorts then link up with that person don't go at it alone associate learn so that you may grow so that not long from now you have the confidence and the competence to be able to also invite another into your life's journey and say hey Come follow me like I've been following Jesus. I don't know everything, but what I know, I will show you. What I don't, we'll discover together as we go. That's what sons in the kingdom, and that's the culture of kingdom, the kingdom that we want to see develop in our church family all.
Let us all stand. Heavenly Father, we just want to come and humble ourselves before you, Lord. We know you are God and we're not. You are the definer of all things. We're not. Our opinions are one thing, but you hold objective truth in your hand. Father, we want to come and submit ourselves to your objectivity, not to our subjective experiences. Father, whatever we've experienced on earth that have hurt us, we thank you that there is healing in Christ. Whatever we've experienced that have disappointed us, we thank you that there is uh, encouragement and that there is reinstatement in Christ. Father, we pray for every person that's hearing this message now or later that they might see this incredible disposition of sonship and it might be a desire of their hearts to grow in that close fellowship with you. In Philippians, y'all, in Philippians, Paul says that it's a privilege to suffer for Christ. In fact, he, he makes it a goal of his to become like Christ in death. Lord, not many of us are called to die for your cause. But I pray that if we are called to die in our pride, if we are called to die in, 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 in our, in our um, um, popularity, Lord, if we are called to die in our status, if we are called to die in our wealth, if we are called to die, Lord, in our energy, if we are called to die in any circumstance, Lord, that you would give us the strength to say, yes, Lord, here we are. For king and kingdom, we will give it all. We will give it all. I surrender all. If you want to join me, sing. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Let's just sing it one more time. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender Lord, we pray that you will use our church to advance your kingdom and your agenda, Lord God. We humble ourselves before you, God. We're not here to build a brand. We're not here to build a name. We're here to glorify your name, Jesus. We're here to bring your will and your way into every part of our lives, starting at our own homes, into Samaria, and Judea, to the ends of the earth. Here we are, Lord, send us. Lord, we're asking for our metron to be expanded, God. We're asking to be entrusted, God, with more.
so that your name might be known to the ends of the earth, Lord. Lord, help us to go even beyond our borders. Help us to go beyond our continent, God. Help us to go beyond our hemisphere, Lord. Help us to go, Lord. Help us to go. You say in your word that the harvest is plentiful and the work is a few. Sign us up, God. Sign us up, Lord. Lord, help us to not forget our neighbor when we go. Help us to not ignore the need right in front of us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.